This week we're talking about monsters throughout history, all historical monsters, particularly gothic monsters, which have informed our modern monster canon. So I am Wires of NYC, dressed up this evening as Dracula, and uh, with me is... Aerialist. And what are you? You're some sort of uh, Franken-gal? Yeah. Frankenstein's monster's wife? (laughs) Yeah. Sure. All right, cool. When did monsters show up on the scene? (laughs) Historically, what was the first? Jesus. The first zombie. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Actually, let's wait. Let's start with the big picture idea. We said we were going to do this. this Okay. So big picture idea. If you skip the whole rest of the podcast, all of the stuff is going to come back to this. What is like the thesis statement of this podcast about historical horror monsters? We don't get the monsters we want. We get the monsters we need. And what do you mean by that? The monsters monsters reflect our neuroses and our passion and our society. Yeah. Horror, horror much like every other genre of fiction, but very similar to science fiction, is that the really good horror novels and stories are basically exploring what it is to be human. So there's always some some underlying exploration, generally of like good and evil or morality, or in a lot of cases, science gone too far. Disease. Science run amok. And yeah, fear of corruption and disease. Okay, that's your thesis statement. So now we're going to tell you all the examples of why that's true. Uh, so, okay, so we're starting off with vampires because they're the hottest. Yeah. We're going to go from sexiest to least sexiest. Yeah, that works. Vampires are the sex. They, they are the sexiest of monsters, of horror monsters. Yes, okay. So, so, so yeah, who came up with vampires? They don't actually exist. There's vampire bats, but like the concept Whoa. of a vampire monster. Vampire bats monster? are like so new in, in the canon of vampire. So, yeah, so, so yeah, who came up with this and why? All right, so originally vampires were called revenants, which is just something that's come back from the dead. In, in squal- the first like writing. Oh, they were zombies. I mean, okay, basically the short answer is everything started in Greece, okay, at the end. But the long answer is in the 12th century, there's, there's writing that emerges about, the, about burning, stuffing bricks in the mouth of, and cutting up revenants like, so that they don't keep coming back to life. And there's uh, forensic evidence to suggest that this is true, that people actually did this. Because there were skeletons with bricks in their mouth <laughs> found, and a lot of this was in like uh, like Serbia and like you know. Is this because they were accidentally burying people alive? Like what was going on, or just that like they needed some supernatural explanation for for something? People were really concerned with the with the dead, you know, because people believed in life after death so they would they would dig up their relatives or their friends just to check on them and see how they were doing and then because of like decay and just like science and stuff like that the corpses would they would just look really gross and like kind of bloated and there'd be blood coming out of their mouth because of like just like 
nature, nature is healing itself. And people were like, oh no, they're, they're feeding on, well, people jumped to the conclusion that they were feeding on the living because a lot of sicknesses at that time would render people very pale. Mm. And, you know, or even like cholera or like Ebola or something, like there'd be like massive blood loss. So people were like, hmm, like. Probably not Ebola in Eastern Europe at this time. Cholera, cholera, I mean, cholera is like the Ebola. A lot of dysentery. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, a lot of really cute diseases were happening. People were like, oh, that's probably what's happening. Like. And the plague. The plague's going around too. Some people are getting. In the 12th century? Yeah. Oh, word. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. It, it kind of came and went for, for several yeah. hundred years. I don't think people had the chance to, like, I don't think people were digging up people at in during plague moments, though. I think they were just, like, that was more of, like, a witchy time. People it's were like, like, there's the, witches. The opposite of a mummy, where, like, right, you, a mummy, you entomb a pharaoh, give them all this cool stuff for the afterlife, so they're, like, set. Whereas this, you, like, dig <laughs> up your relative and shove a brick You're in their like, mouth. You're like, oh, no. Uh, or burning straw so that they won't come back and feast on you. Yeah. Well, the mummies, people would dig up, the way the mummies happen is people would dig them up too, and they... Well, that was grave robbers, I think. No, they would. the Egyptians would dig, they used to bury people in sand, mm. and then they were like, oh no, our relatives are like choking on sand, so they then they put them in a, like a tomb, and they would go check on them, but sand preserved and like the tombs didn't so that's why they like developed embalming because they were like you know they were like oh no my my like grammy looks she looks really gross now in this tomb so like let me figure out how to make her look hot forever i think because egyptians were like a lot healthier so like they didn't they weren't like this person's ugly because they're eating me they were like this person is ugly because they're sad this corpse is ugly because they're sad yeah, maybe just different cultural reasons. Yeah, Egyptians had, like, all the health health benefits and stuff. The, the Eastern Europeans during the Dark Ages also have Christianity going on. So they, like, believe in, like, a ghost savior anyway. And, like, life after death and uh, all sorts of, like, Christian imagery, too. So they probably, like, had a lot of, I don't know, a lot of things that they were very worried about. So some other notable vampires from... Before the Victorian era, are uh, the Bad Breath Vampire, also known as Johannes Cuntius. He died in like he he died because he got kicked in the dick by a horse, like in his real life, and then he came back to haunt people. He vomited fire, and he would suck the milk out of. Livestock. Is he Swedish? That sounds like Swedish. Yeah. Or Swiss, maybe, if his name's Johannes. Yeah, somewhere around there. There's a lot of this, yeah, Eastern Europe or, like, you know, Romania or whatever, right? Isn't that where everybody thinks vampires are from, like Transylvania? Well, because there was Vlad the Impaler. Oh. And Vlad's, like, nickname is Dracula. So that's, like, a little spoiler, like, preview is that a little bit of Drac- like Bram Stoker's Dracula, people are like, oh, it's based on Vlad, but I'll tell you who it's actually based on when we get there. Yeah. So then 1700s, there's a manual of, a manual like comes out of how to get rid of vampires. It's kind of like the, you know, the CDC of the time. <laughs> 
is yeah it says like how to get rid of them and one of so the garlic thing is like it's kind of like they're also sucking on their gums which is that's it's really funny because doesn't that sound you gotta really get yourself into a into a position (laughs) where you've overpowered the vampire already uh if you're going to suck on their gums but sure yeah doesn't that sound like someone's catfishing someone yeah just like maybe this this uh pamphlet was written by an actual vampire they're like just come suck on my gums. This also In, invite invite me into your house. That'll okay. get rid of me. We'll get to other monsters, but this is also the right seven. Would you say seventeenth century or seventeen hundreds? Yeah, seventeen so hundreds is a little post like Salem witch trial era, but like there's all sorts of debates about different monsters going on at this time. So there's like, like what should we fear the most? Oh yeah, in this same pamphlet, it was the also. Vampire? The there were witches in there too. It oh, was like is. it was like the CDC like regulations on all the monsters of the time. And then, you know, everything really really like gets amped up in the 1800s. So in 1812, pre the first pre OG vampire, the first pre Dracula OG vampire uh, is the vamp the vampire with a with a y. And it's a, it's a story by John Stagg. And this is the first time we see, like, the staking of the heart of the vampire. The vampire. Yeah, it's basically this this dude who, like, he dies and then he, t- he tells his wife that he's going to come back and haunt her. And she's like, no, you're not. And she, like, stabs him through the heart. It's, it, and, and we also see, like, this theme emerging of, like, because, like, the vampire will come back and... And sort of like haunt the the ones that he or she or they love. So it's the kind of the vampiric uh, protagonist hero <laughs> emerges. Wait, they're a hero or they're? I was gonna call it the Byronic hero, but we haven't gotten to Lord Byron yet, so okay. <laughs> that's why I'm calling it the. It Byron. It sounds like a villain. There's also this story called Christabel, and it. It has the mysterious Geraldine. What? The mysterious <laughs> Geraldine. And she's like, yeah. She's, Is she a vampire? She's a vampire. Okay. Yeah, and she's kind of Spo- like. Spoiler alert. She's kind of like Catwoman. She, tur- she turns into a cat. Not a bat, a cat. Okay, so. can we skip the lesser vampire novels? I don't care about. Okay. Give me some good. Some, you okay. know, some I've read. So Lord Byron, <laughs> our favorite, our favorite boy Lord Byron writes this story called the the Jower, which means the infidel, and it's basically like the first kind of story of like a like like a sexy. He's this sexy like vampire, and this is from the point of view of a Turkish person. Can you set the scene a little bit, Lord Byron? What's his deal? He is. The James Dean of the Victorian era. Yeah, he's like an overnight literary success in his early 20s. He's a rock star. And is a rock star of like Victorian writing. And he's also like the ultimate sad boy. Yes. Because he writes basically like a sad boy memoirs. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever written. He has chest hair. He has a deep V. He's uh, He has a pet bear. He hates to see women eat unless it's champagne. Okay, so, right. so, so cool, bro. Cool, he has cool bro writer. 
he has a posh boyfriend named Percy <laughs> Percy Bish Percy Bish Shelley, who's Mary Shelley's husband, Mary Shelley of Frankenstein. Right. And all three of these, these cuties, they go on a, a very gloomy, very goth vacation in the, what is it, what was it called? The Year Without a Summer. And they have a, a horror writing contest. And out of this night comes Frankenstein, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And Lord Byron, Lord Byron's doctor, John Palladori, writes this story called, very creatively, The Vampire. That has Count Ruth, uh, Rutherford, and he is basically Lord Byron, and this actually causes like a big rift between them. Yeah, it's pretty great if your friend was like, "Oh, I'm just working on a cool fiction novel," and then you read it, and you're the main character, uh, and you're a monster who sucks the blood of their victims. I guess you'd be like, "Hey, what the hell, man?" Yeah. Oh, it, let's see, Lord Lord Ruthven. Yeah, Lord Ruthven, sorry. So he's he's basically Ruthven. Ruthven. And so this is the first, like, very sexy vampire, but he's also kind of, he's a little bit of, like, an energy vampire, too. And he's the first, like, aristocrat vampire. This is a good, yeah, reference to what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Colin Robinson, the energy vampire. Yes, yeah. Bores you to death. Um, We should set the scene a little bit, though, because it is pretty cool that, like, right, this novel, The Vampire... And you said the de joie? De joie. De joie. The jour. And as we'll talk about also, Frankenstein all came out of these three writers basically telling each other ghost stories uh, during the summer, during their summer vacation in this famous year without a summer because Mount Krakatoa erupted that year. And so it just like changed weather patterns across the globe. So in the early 1800s, there was this year where it was just like, continued being like a, a cold wet spring for like nine months it was portland yeah everything was portland and it was like the sun never really came out there was just sort of a haze because it was all the smoke from krakatoa uh exploding yeah so they wrote these stories that story the reason why i mentioned christabel is because they read they were at first before they had the contest they were reading their favorite like stories that had already been written about vampires and Byron read Christabel and I think his doctor, I think uh, John Palladori had nightmares of a vamp, a vampiric woman with, with eyes for nipples after hearing oh. about the mysterious Geraldine. So I okay. thought that was funny. That's why I was, I was talking about that. That was that a major one. influence on, on Lord Byron and vampires and Mary Shelley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then, okay, we're going to skip, skip, skip to Bram Stoker, who actually isn't that much. He's like a couple of years later, basically. He's late 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Bram Stoker, he was bedridden for the first seven years of his life. No one really knows why he had an illness. He was just bedridden. He was just lazy. And historians really, like, any sickness or anything in his writings, historians are like, is this, is this what he had? But no one really knows. His mother would entertain him by telling him stories of her experience during the time of, like, the cholera, the cholera times. 
Yeah, she's like, I have a cute story for you. Like love in the time of cholera. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> she's that. That was actually by by uh, Bram Stoker's uh, Abraham Stoker's mm-hmm. mom. Told him this story. I'm gonna tell you just a couple of like funny. Oh, is, is Bram short for Abraham? Yes. Which isn't it funny? Because isn't Van Helsing's name Abraham? Yeah, I, it is. I don't know. It is oh, Abraham. Is it? <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, he wrote himself into the story. Yeah. That's cute. He's Van Helsing, who's Van Helsing is like a professor of vamp vampirology. Yeah, but he's also kind of a goofball and he's like Amelia Bedelia. Like he he takes things very he's like a steak, you know, and he he like makes a steak. I don't Okay. Drive a stake through their heart. You I don't know. recall that from the film adaptations. But yeah, oh, there's a lot the of stuff missing Dracula. from the from the film yeah. adaptations. Okay, <laughs> a lot of valuable things. Yes. So, look, I'm just gonna t- tell you like a, f- a couple of like little maybe like three fun factoids about Bram Stoker. Okay. Okay. So he was obsessed with Walt Whitman. Obsessed with him. He wrote Walt Whitman kind of like a love letter and was just like, I idolize you. You're the best ever. And he like confessed all of his like fears and everything to him. And him and Walt Whitman became like pen pals. And then they eventually met later on. Whitman was a good poet. Yeah. Yeah. He was the, the woman who Francesca, I think who he ended up marrying was at first the love, the some would say of Oscar Wilde. And they were in a love triangle not unlike the love triangle in Dracula. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And when uh, Oscar Wilde was like away, that, that's when he married Francesca. To be fair, it's not like Oscar Wilde was that much competition, right? Because he like... He was still kind of <laughs> upset. I mean, because he uh, Oscar Wilde loved like a... He just loved like a cute girl that he could like dress up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He was, you know, and he was a romantic. So he was, he was a little bit like, hey. Bram Stoker was also a theater critic and he wrote a very good like a very like you know nice review of the actor Henry Irving and Henry Irving was like let's let's like team up together and they opened this theater together and Bram Stoker would like direct all the plays he managed he managed Henry Irving um and was kind of like yeah, he was just like his wingman for everything. And he, you know, he kind of like neglected his family for Irving. And that is actually who Dracula is based on. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Based on a, an actor of the time. Yeah. Who was who acted in many plays directed by Bram Stoker. But basically all like he was the I don't even know what would be a good he was oh, like his servant almost. You know, he he built like the theater with him, he he just like was pulling all that. He was the man behind the curtain of this, literally, of uh, of Henry Irving, and Henry Irving was kind of a dick to him. And Bram Stoker used to write Henry Irving like letters that were signed with like love, and then later they were just signed like sincerely. So people were like, "Ooh, they had like a falling out." Yeah, Dracula was not his most famous work, but at the, yeah, I mean. But Dracula, the character, is like a very wealthy count who owns a castle, who then like moves to, to London or whatever, right? So like, and how is that based on the actor? Like the the mannerisms or what? I think the emo- he's emotionally based on it. Like I think 
that Bram Stoker felt like Irving was draining him uh, and was just sort of like he was feeding on people for his excellence, basically. And yeah, he was also like eccentric and kind of kind of a dick. But the uh, like physical, you know, his his physique and everything. I think that was Vlad the Impaler and his name. Oh. At the time of his death, or like in his obituary, it just was like, yeah, he also wrote Dracula. But what really rekind, what really like you know, s- sent it into the stratosphere was this whole like lawsuit, and then lawsuit of Nosferatu, like stealing the story of Dracula, plagiarizing it, and then his widow licensing the play of Dracula, which had Bela Lugosi. So that that really like resurrected Dracula and made it so popular. Yeah. So Dracula comes out right right around the end of the the eighteen hundreds, something like eighteen ninety, late eighteen nineties. And then Bram Stoker dies at some point. And yeah, his Nosferatu came out in nineteen twenty and it's a direct ripoff of Dracula. Although the count is not uh charming. He doesn't look like Bella Lugosi or whatever. He's like a weird a rat-like creature. Yeah. But and then there's like a guy just like Van Helsing who like fights the vampire and and wins and everything. Um and so then but Nosferatu was only released in Germany and then we talked about this during our horror films episode last week. Uh Stoker's widow uh sued and won and then they did adopt Dracula for the stage in the late 1920s. Yeah. Well, she she wanted to copyright i guess that was a way of copywriting something as you you make a play out of it at the time <laughs> so she was like as revenge this is what i'm gonna do or just a, i think people had wanted to direct a play based on it for a long time and then she gave him permission and then bell lugosi who started in the play started in the the film and as we talked about last week despite it being like the beginning of the great depression the film was like a huge success but dracula the the original novel is several hundred pages long it spans like right multiple countries and cities it has like dozens of characters um very long descriptive passages and monologues it's it's like reading like diary entries right or or just even i mean it's beyond even like a classic victorian novel it's like reading like a a russian novel or something it's like yeah diary entries it's letters it's very long yeah there's a lot of letters there's a lot of section like you know it's it's a lot of like shunning there's like a you know a hot girl and then like a little like a, a bit more like homely but moral mm-hmm. girl in it and the the hot girl there's like a scene where all these these men you know she's like gotten attacked by a vampire because she's you know, the horror movie tropes they start they start mm-hmm. even then the the slut gets punished and all these you know, she has like these men lusting after her and they all like donate their blood to try and revive her, which is definitely like uh, a whole a whole brother situation. <laughs> it's definitely a sexual thing. So some of the the diseases that would, I guess, like contribute to the myth, the, the mythology of vamp- vampirism were there are three main diseases which that that give you like vampire like symptoms that were happening at that time do you do you want to guess what they were i thought it was people's dead relatives decaying in their coffins or whatever 
the so the Victorian because uh, the revenants or like the older vampires they were like hideous corpses. The Victorian oh, vampires were the sexy vampires. Yes. So what diseases make you sexy? Um, is anemia one of them? So you need iron, and then you're pale. Close. There. Uh. The like consumption. Or like scarlet not, fever, not, not the same. But okay, scarlet so fever. Scarlet fever, sure. Yeah, scarlet fever is it, what? What is consu- like the the scarlet coughing fever? One. I think you cough up blood. Yeah, I think it's also yeah. consumption. The Moulin Rouge the one. Consumption. Yeah, where she's like There's a lot <laughs> of coughing blood in a handkerchief. Yeah, so that that one because you would you would get very pale, right, and then you'd be coughing up blood. Also, rabies. Yeah, right. So you, what rabies? You have a fear of water. Rabi- yeah, including you- including holy water. Exactly. Also, there was like a, a myth that you a test for rabies would be if you could look at your own reflection. I don't know where that comes from. Also, like I guess sensitivity to the sunlight, uh, insomnia, being actually like being very like horny is apparently like a rabies symptom. I don't know. Yeah, the association with like dogs and bats and cats what well because like if you hang around that like you know rabid rabid bat like rabid person you think vampires are animal people i don't know the just the associate the association with like animals that can give you rabies and i think you're reading a little deep into into the similarities i'm just i'm just putting it out there okay yeah so that was right that's Two and also like syphilis, so like the insanity and stuff like that. Inspired vampires. Yeah, some people, some people think that like syphilis was like one of, or I guess vampires were a cautionary tale again because they would like sailors getting it right. So the sex, the sexual, not scurvy, yeah. syphilis. The like yeah, sexually, a lot of sailors got like STDs because they're they're going port to port and. The fact They're that like married. vampires would prey on the like the slutty ones, it was kind of like a little bit of a cautionary tale against like syphilis. And some people think that that Bram Stoker died from complications from syphilis. One of his right. diagnoses was so that. So did Al Capone. <laughs> Bitten by a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've covered vampires very thoroughly. Yep. So let's talk about from that. A uh, fateful ghost telling session in the early 1800s with Mary Shelley and Percy Bysshe and uh, John Palladori uh, and Byron and Byron, yeah, the other the other like kind of game changing uh, novel to come out of it was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. Yes, exactly. And so Mary Shelley felt in the company of these these like you know three men one of whom was was her future husband who she thought was really brilliant and Lord Byron who was like famous at the time as like a writer um they kind of challenged her to also like write a ghost story and so she thought for several days and she's eight, I think 18 during like during mm-hmm. this vacation right so she Thinks carefully, and she had a very goth childhood and upbringing. Let's let's throw out a couple. Talk about of, her biography a little bit. Yes. What? Yeah. So, what led her to this situation, uh, where she is on this vacation with these three guys when she's eighteen? 
um, is that uh, she's born into a family that it's like sort of a fallen family that's that's like uh, was wealthy and famous and has kind of like lost a lot of its fortune. It's very gone with the wind in that sense. She's also her mother dies from her, complications from her from her being born. So she kind of carries that on her shoulders like for the rest of her life. Yeah, her yeah. mother dies and then her her basically her father needs money. They have like a big estate uh like I guess English estate that he needs to like take care of and do the upkeep for. He is a professor and so in professing and teaching uh one of his students uh, has some connections who says he can get him a bunch of money basically to because to, he's like into out. his message. Oh, wait, should we say her mother is Mary Wollstonecraft? Yes. The, the famous feminist. Yeah. So this, this posh boy, Oh, famous feminist killed. Yeah. Who dies in childbirth. Mm, <laughs> that's a yikes. But, uh, yeah. So her, her father is at the, at the time is very like liberal also as a prof- as professors are, but was married to a famous feminist. So, yeah, one of the students, uh, Percy. Percy Bish. Percy Bish <laughs> is, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, I have some connections. I think I could get you yeah. some money, help you out of debt. Uh, ends up hanging out a bunch with the professor, who's because like his mentor, uh, and then like is ed- and is attracted to that his professor's like sixteen year old daughter. Where she's she's kind of attracted to him a little bit. He's also married at this time, <laughs> and then. Mary goes, let's let's go to the cemetery and have sex on my mom's grave. And they do. And he's like, oh, I'm definitely like ditching my wife for you. <laughs> and they and he does. And then they go, uh, they and Mary Shelley's sister uh, all like they go, go to Paris, go on a, go to Paris together and then go on this long trip and they run out of money. They have a pretty rough time. And then at some point they get married they run out of shoes. Mary Shelley's father Mary- is really mad about it. Uh, Mary Shelley's like pregnant and then having abortions this whole time. <laughs> like just mm. she's never not pregnant slash never has a child <laughs> except for one who's her like pride and joy who turns out to be like the most boring person ever. Yeah. He's like a real fibro. Yeah, she, she sadly is like she's like sickly a lot of her life too, and has a bunch of miscarriages also. So yeah, and she's she. I think she was like a little deformed also, or had like some skin condition, like just like in the craft. Okay, let's yeah. not just cast aspersions here. So I identify <laughs> with her. So, anyway, so that that's all like sort of the the background to them them summering. Uh, at this point, though, they are staying. Uh, they make their way to like Geneva and that's where like, I think it's like around Geneva is when they have this like ghost, ghost storytelling competition. Yeah. And, but along their trip, they did pass by, there is an actual castle Frankenstein. Wait, really? Yes. And so, uh, Frankenstein just means, uh, it's like Germanic, right? It means stone of the Franks and the Franks were like a Germanic people like throughout the middle ages. That's really cool. Yeah. So Frankenstein just, yeah, Stone of the Franks and there is a real castle, but like presumably, possibly like alchemy al- alchemy and experiments were performed at that castle, but there was probably alchemy going on at every castle throughout yeah. Europe during, you know, during the period of like really the Dark Ages through the Enlightenment. So not that weird, but it's cool. That's 
And so Mary Shelley claimed that the the title and the name Frankenstein came to her in like a vision or a dream. And then everyone was like, historians much later, because it's not like most people knew that there was a Castle Frankenstein. Everyone was like, oh, cool name, nice. And then like historians later were like, oh, she like during this trip, like definitely was in the area where there was a Castle Frankenstein. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. So that's the name. Um, Yeah, so she writes this story and... It was then, uh, it was published uh, under like a pen name when she was 20 and it was a huge success, like immediately out of the gate. I think she finished it when she was 18, but she don't want to publish it because she's like, people are going to be scared that a woman could write something so good. I never got the impression she was super confident in any of it. But then, yeah, if you read Frankenstein, it is a, it's a great novel. It's really well written and it is like deep and very well done. So... Yeah, it, I mean, there's a reason it's it is so famous. It's not just the story, but uh, how, it's that it's also great writing. The movie like messed it up so much. So yeah, we can to to do a quick synopsis. The the story of Frankenstein in the novel, uh, it is Doctor Frankenstein. The monster never gets a name because Doctor Frankenstein hates it. He's not a real doctor too. He never finishes college. I suppose so. He doesn't. He doesn't ever he doesn't. finish college. He's, and he drops out. Yeah. So, uh, and it is, it is set up as it has a really interesting framing too, in that it is, uh, it's what's known as a frame story. It's actually told through a series of letters from an Arctic explorer to his sister and the Arctic explorers crew comes across some man like trapped in the ice or whatever, who's like dying. And that's Mr. Frankenstein. Um, and Mr. Frankenstein is he's like recovering from his like sickness tells this like long story. And so his childhood, he's interested in science. He goes to university. Uh, at some point during his child, his family adopts, uh, a really hot, uh, a really hot, poor orphan who becomes like his love. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a hot poor orphan who's from good breeding. Just a, a yeah, family she's that blonde. Again, didn't do well. Don't so, worry, she's blonde. So Frankenstein goes to school. He's he excels at chemistry. He uncovers a secret technique for like giving creating life in inanimate matter. And it's not electricity and electrodes. They don't go into detail. It's kind of left very vague. The lightning writing. is an invention of the movie, right? Yes. Yeah. And then he does not stitch together a monster from like random body parts and corpses. Uh, I mean, he is using corpses, but he spends two years crafting a creature. Uh, it's really hard, I guess, to get like the capillaries right and like whatever other small things. So he makes a creature very large, so it's easier to like oh. assemble it. So yeah. that's that's why it's like eight feet tall. Um, and then he uh, real Jeff Coons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, scale it up to make it easy to work on. He he spends two years on it and he makes it beautiful. Um, and and so this you know his hubris or whatever, but he. He spends a lot of time giving it like really perfect features. So it is like, you know, an atom. It's like this gorgeous creature. And then unfortunately, the process of animating it and bringing it to life, uh, it turns really ugly all of a sudden. And so apparently like the eyes are the freakiest part. And when he looks into them, he's like, no. And he like runs away. Yeah, it's described as having kind of watery, yellowy eyes. Its skin is tinged yellow and turns almost translucent. So you can see all of its muscles and veins. Stop talking about me. <laughs> nice. And yeah, I mean me as well. It's not like you're you're more of a pink person though. I'm okay. I'm pretty yellow. Yeah. So uh, 
Yeah, as soon as the monster awakes, Frankenstein passes out, though. He doesn't see it come to life or anything. Uh, and then he's, uh, he, I think he, or he goes like crazy. He wanders the streets, uh, passes out. He comes back the next day and the monster's gone. And he's like, phew. He's, he's not like, oh, I should figure out where it went. But he's like. Well, he falls ill. So he's sick for four months then. And yeah. then, uh, so he doesn't know what happened to it. And then he like goes on a trip. Uh, and then at some point his brother is murdered. And he's like, oh, no. And then, you know, goes and he, then he sees the creature somehow. I think it's, it must have taken weeks to travel there but to get home. But uh, he sees the creature like hanging around and it's like, oh, that fiend. He's murdered my brother. Yeah. And also, he, he, doesn't he like frame? Yes. He yeah. murders his brother and frames the nanny, his like childhood nanny. And he knows the nanny's innocent, but he's like, I can't say why. Yes. So I'm just going to not so, say. So anything. the nanny, the nanny gets hanged too. Yeah, he won't. Like, he won't step forward and admit that he created this creature because it'd be too embarrassing. <laughs> Hang the nanny. So yeah, at this point, you're wondering who's really the monster. Exactly. And it gets worse. So to to sum up the rest is that the finally the creature finds him. It tells the 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 creature tell the monster goes, tells Frankenstein his story, which is it that goes, he father. Yeah. Father, uh, I have been looking for you. <laughs> he ran out into the woods. He hid from everyone. He found a family. He didn't know how to talk. He was like a big baby because he he's like family, my father. But he is very smart. Um, it opens with the whole, the I think on the front page of the original novel is a quote from Paradise Lost um, in that like talking about Lucifer, basically. Or maybe it's Adam saying like, I didn't ask for you to create me, which the, and then the monster quotes that at some point yeah but anyway the monster the monster uh explains how he like he learned to read he conversed with the the blind father of this family that he was living next to your house but then the rest of the family saw him and all freaked out um and then at another point the monster saves a, a boy who's drowning and the, the boy's father shoots the monster in the shoulder yeah because uh, he thinks the monster's attacking him so the monster decides that humanity is not for him he finds the books, right? He finds Paradise Lost. Yes, he finds satchel books, learns to read, and then he he goes and uh, yeah, and in, in vengeance after getting shot in the shoulder and writing off humanity, he goes and murders Victor Frankenstein. He brother learns to read and He's... frames the nanny on purpose because he found like Frankenstein's journal, so he knew what to do. And so he explains to Frankenstein, he's like, "Okay, I've had my revenge now. Uh, I want you to create. I like I don't want to be alone forever. I'm a living creature. I deserve happiness." So I want you to make a girlfriend for me. And the two of us will go to South America. We'll live in the Amazon. We won't bother anyone. And like, you know, that's the least you can do for me because I didn't ask you to create me. And so Victor Frankenstein goes to the Orkney Islands in Scotland. So it's very isolated and he starts working. But the monster's kind of peering over his shoulder. <laughs> and at some point, <laughs> Frankenstein realizes he's like, wait, because he, he can only see that he hates the monster. And he's like, wait, what if these monsters breed? And then and they then create a race monsters of monsters breed. that all like, you know, that all hate humanity. Or he's like, what if they don't like each other? And then I have two depressed monsters and I have to. That was like another thing. Yes. Another way. Like, so what if they're all he, God? he changes his mind and, and like then hacks up and dismembers Frankenstein's potential wife, the bride of Frankenstein. And so Frankenstein's like, like, guess what? I'll be with you on your wedding night. Wait, I feel like he's like a kid with like making something like out of Play-Doh or something. And then and the kid is like, oh, I hate it. It's terrible. And he just like smashes it. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. 
and then and so, uh, so fast forward frankenstein does uh sorry frankenstein's monster does strangle frankenstein's love on their wedding night the blonde sister chick the right blonde sister yeah. um kills another friend of uh of frankenstein other frankenstein is found innocent of that and so then after his, his wife is killed frankenstein's like i have to pursue vengeance so he chases the creature all the way to the arctic which is where he's discovered when the story begins right and then they throw him overboard because they're like you're terrible no they just let him the crewmen are like, we want to get out of here, dude. This sucks. And they get trapped in the ice. And finally, they turn around. And Frankenstein's like, no, you have to pursue the journey. It's a, and they're like, no. And then Frankenstein just dies um, from, I guess, being cold and exhaustion. And then uh, at some point, the monster shows up on the ship of the Arctic Explorer, who's writing the actual, <laughs> what a, who what is actually freaking... writing the story. And the monster's just like. The, well, showing you the humanity of this monster, he actually mourns Victor Frankenstein, his creator. He's like, father. And so the Arctic Explorer writing the story, Whitley or something is his name, he's he's like, he's like, oh, are you are you glad that he's dead? And the monster's like, no, I'm even sadder than ever because he Which was the is, only person so who ever sad. cared. It's so sad. I want to cry every time I hear this. So then the monster uh, jumps out of the window of the like the, the ship's cabin uh, onto like an ice floe, and he's like, I'm going to go, I'm going he to goes, kill myself. You'll never hear of me again. He goes, Time to die. He goes, exactly. I've seen things. <laughs> and then he, as he disappears over the horizon, he yells, You can call me Frankenstein's monster or Frankenstein. <laughs> I don't really mind. It's fine. Aw, <laughs> poor baby. Yeah. It, so the story is also called the, moder the modern Prometheus, right? Which is, who is. The Pro modern Prometheus shaped mankind from clay. And so that's according to some legends, he stole fire from the gods to give it to humanity. And then, you know, Zeus cursed him. So that is Dr. Frankenstein is the modern Prometheus. Or is the monster the modern Prometheus? Because isn't the monster no, clearly doc clearly, you know, Victor Frankenstein is. The monster has some like bad experiences with fire, right? He's like, this is a bad thing. <laughs> In the very beginnings, he's like, yeah, I I, uh, I tried to light my hand on fire. And then oh, I yeah. was like, oh, no. Oh, there is at a certain point the monster sees his reflection in like a stream or whatever. And he's like, oh, I am hideous. He's like, he's not just that like people don't understand. He's like, I hate myself. Yeah. In the end, we it is worth noting, though, that that like, right, Percy died. On a ship on a called ship. called Don Juan, called Don Juan, I think. Right, Don, yes. and Lord Byron had actually written a story called Don Juan, which kind of makes fun of the heavy Cockney accent. Yeah, and Mary Shelley. They, let's see, they burned Percy's body, but his heart didn't burn, and Mary Shelley kept it in her desk for the rest of her life. And Lord Byron wanted his skull, but people said no because he would make mugs out of people's skulls so they were like no can't have it and he was like damn mm -hmm. it is i saw the wokest comment on like the one of the youtube videos i like summaries i was like watching earlier and it goes it's knowledge is knowing that that frankenstein is not the monster wisdom is knowing that he is so that's the story of frankenstein and then hollywood got a hold of it and adapted it and you got the giant shambling creature that you see today and then 
because they kept referring to the monster as Frankenstein, such as in the, the comedic film Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, which is not about the doctor's wife, but about the monster's wife. Uh, in pop, pop culture, it just became shorthand for the monster itself. Why do they make him so ugly and like slow? Is that because like movies weren't good? I forget the name of the actor. It's a very, it's a yeah, the, a famous like very tall actor who played uh, a bunch of monsters uh, during like the I guess the heyday of like '30s monster movies. Um, but I think just for film at the time, it made it easier and more dramatic and like. We've watched some of those films like for last last week and everything moves very slow. There's a lot yeah. of family monsters and just people screaming for like minutes on end as the monster True. slowly approaches them. Um, so I don't know. I think that was just how they like film stuff at the time. Yeah, also at that time... The CGI maybe wasn't very good. They're like, move very slowly so the makeup doesn't fall off. The prosthetics don't fall off He's your just face. so uncomfortable. Like, I think the lightning looked very cool. That was a special effect they could pull off at the time. So they, they like made the lightning be like how he animates the creature. Um, and I suppose in the 20s, electrification, like widespread electrification was pretty new. So they have argued that it is, it has been argued that it's actually the, real, the first real science fiction in that there's a creator who intentionally uses science and then it, you know, it explores the effects on society of the use of science. Yeah. So it's not just speculative fiction. Uh, it it tries to use science, I don't know, as a as a lens to frame a moral question. What what monsters come next? Let's talk about werewolves. Okay, I don't know anything about them. Tell me. And lycanthropy. Um, <laughs> I always thought that was so funny, like a, like a lichen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time I <laughs> like when you heard the word like yeah lycanthropy, I was like, I remember when I was like a little like, baby, like model trains. You put like little lichen around the lichen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so the werewolf myth is uh the modern conception is like German folklore dating to like the Middle Ages and that's where like the whole you know that silver kills them and that the transformation under the full moon um they can't really date it to any like specific ailment. They like there are books out there from like ancient medical writing, not even that old medical writings. It doesn't actually really date to the Greeks. It's post-Greek. So you're well into, like, basically the Dark Ages when, like, people started writing about wolf creatures. Um, But that's... There's, like, I guess various myths that, like, there was a tribe of men that would turn into wolves or whatever. Like, uh, you know, like, around the time of, like, Aristotle, I guess. Like, post-Greek, sort of, like, Hellenist... Who do you think they were, though? Hellenist period who was writing about this. There were, like, historians then, right? There also is a Nordic like vampire. There's a Nordic vampire, which which Wait, is vampire. like a sorry werewolf, uh, which is like the the berserkers. Yeah. So going yes, going berserker was a <laughs> it's a term. So berserkers lo- were a class of warrior. My love for you is ticking clock. And you would go into a like a trance like state and just go absolutely like savage like into mayhem and they would try to like work themselves into like berserker mode they would like punch the, themselves the in the head and stuff like that they'd be like oh. yeah so that had comparisons to and there were like 
religions based around bears and wolves, like, and you would like worship them or try to live like them so as to like cultivate the spirit of a Jungle bear or wolf buck. for like fierceness in your fighting. So that also probably played into the werewolf legend. Um, but they're during like the, the period of like all the witches and like vampire fears and the, like when the manuals are coming out, you're saying in the 16, 1700s, uh, there's like one of like the the guys involved in the Salem witch trial wrote like a whole pamphlet arguing that vampire that werewolves and werewolfism was a medical condition. It was not related to morality or the devil. Sounds like he had a little bit of little <laughs> touch of werewolf. That's why I'm like, were you a werewolf? Yeah. Why are you defending them? Like, yeah, but he's like, no, no, it's a, it's just a terrible <laughs> medical ailment. You shouldn't hold people responsible for becoming werewolves. Witches, however, are allied with Satan, and they should definitely be punished. <laughs> He's like, look over and there. The <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely a much, I guess, messier background, and I don't think there's a really like strong literary tradition, in part because maybe just the Victorians weren't so interested in werewolves for whatever reason. I don't know if they even had wolves around. Um, Do you think are there wolves in the UK? Even probably not. Yeah, maybe probably. probably. I mean, I, I feel like there are. Do you think that maybe it was just people were getting eaten by wolves and people didn't want to like admit that? <laughs> like they were like they like their friend was missing and then they saw a wolf and they saw their friend's clothes and they were like, hmm. It's possible, but I don't think people even got eaten by wolves that often. Or like that wasn't like a thing to necessarily be that worried about because they're like, you know. They're pack animals, and they they try to just hunt down like wounded. I don't know bison, <laughs> or whatever. Um, so I think I think the story of like the wolf man or like werewolf monster in like popular imagination, really is just it got popularized with films. There's not like a a seminal like novel I could point you to uh, that wrote about it. So yeah, there were all the monster movies in the 30s, and then then again in the 50s werewolves had a resurgence in the late 50s maybe as a reaction to all the sci-fi that started they like came out in the early 50s there was a nice return to werewolves a and return then, to werewolves yeah and then i think it's the movie like it must be like underworld i think that that maybe started the idea of like what if vampires and werewolves had a feud going back centuries which is a cool idea and i'm glad that they've pursued that film franchise yeah oh yeah because they make good foils for each other. And then in what we do in the shadows, right, there's like werewolves. The swearwolves. The swearwolves. You're a werewolf, not a swearwolf. Yeah. They're part of the canon, and it's great. And they have like a rivalry with the vampires. Um, but yeah, I think they just make good uh, foils for each other. So the, va the vampires are civilized and like mild-mannered and like very old school. And the werewolves are like frap, frap bro party boys. So there, there is like a... A notable case. There's this guy named Peter the Wolf, the Wolf Man, <laughs> okay. in the 1700s. Peter the Wild Boy, or Peter the Wild Boy. Yeah, he ended up being a pet of King George the First and Second, like in their castle. Yeah, he couldn't. They, they like found him in the forest, and they said that he was raised by wolves. He couldn't. He couldn't speak, and he ate with his hands. And they said that he might have, like, a, this like. Pitt Hopkins, I don't know, John Hopkins syndrome. <laughs> Just like a syndrome that like, yeah, it makes you like not be able 
to talk, have uh, to have seizures and basically like the syndrome that everyone had at that. T- I feel like everyone would just be having seizures all the time. So like seizure having also can look like someone, you know, they're like the way Transforming. that right. Yeah. Right. Like, cause isn't that how people look when they turn into like that whole, like, uh, like, see, that's right. This is like one person in the 1700s. So it's like, and that's why nobody wrote about it at the time. So that's why I'm like skeptical of claims like this, which is just somebody digging through lots and lots of history to find something that could maybe be related to a werewolf. Whereas yeah. I don't think there it was based on any like seminal like piece of work that made it like really popular in the like uh, imagination or whatever. I think just it kind of got picked up over time in movies. And it's made for some great films. What do you think the like cautionary thing is of werewolves? Oh, I think the clear parallel is doing drugs or getting drunk thing too. Where you're like, but no, I think it's really going on a bender is like the equivalent because you go like rampage and like have a great time and get wild and, and like give into your primal urges. And then the next day you're like, oh no, what have I done? Isn't it tie in with like the tides or other stuff that like the moon governs, right? Or like femininity or menstrual cycles or anything. Maybe it's, it's, ma- it's the own. male period. It's the male period. You turn into a wolf. And it's worth noting, the Incredible Hulk is clearly just like... A werewolf. A werewolf, yeah. In Frankenstein? That's, that's the... Monster. No, because Frankenstein's monster never gets to not no, but be he a monster. Looks, he looks like, you know, he's like green and stuff. Oh, and he has the same haircut. Yeah. Good point. The Betty Bangs. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. What if... What if a werewolf... He was a werewolf, but instead of turning into a man-wolf, he became fr- Frankenstein's monster. Monster. <laughs> okay. And like, oh, the Hulk. It's the Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk. He's like, what have okay. I done? How many, like, yeah, the Hulk must just, like, get bigger clothes for when this happens, you know? He he wears very elastic pants. Um, he I feel like he always rips his clothes, and then he co- that's one of the things. He's like, my shirt. No, he just likes cutoffs. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so werewolves checked off the list. Um, how about zombies? Zombies are uh, racist. They're racist. <laughs> Zombie or racist caricature? Yeah, I mean, zombies basically came out of enslaved people. We watched the Vice documentary on zombies. Didn't really tell you the history of zombies at all. It didn't really tell us anything, but it sure made you want to watch the next one. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a a Brooklyn hipster getting grifted by a bunch of Haitians for for like several (laughs) hours. Yeah, reparations. Yeah, I guess so. He's like, then... I gave them $400 if they would show me a zombie. He's the worst, no. like, vocal fry no. ever. Uh, instead, they took me to this party. But they the gave me... And threatened to stab me. They <laughs> gave me a talisman, <laughs> and they told me and, to come back tomorrow. And pay them another $600. Yeah. yeah. They said they would take me to see the zombie. Uh, yeah, and then they're like, next episode. There's like a seven-episode thing, and he never... I forget what happens at the end. I don't think he ever gets to see the zombie. He goes way, way deep into the woods uh, or the mountains or whatever. And the then forest. They, they show him a room where there's a man who he clearly has met the man the day before. But it's like that guy <laughs> just sort of in the shadows under his sheet, like wriggling around. Yeah. And they're like, that's a zombie. Don't get too close. He's it's like, pre- it's pretty awesome. Yeah. He's like, cool. And then, uh, yeah, I love that he, what he packs for that trip is like 
a bunch of he packs like three books and a pair of Converse. Yes, his room had a mechanical typewriter in it. It too. did. It was it was basically it was wasn't great. that like Gomez's like castle or whatever? He's like Charles Adams like to vacation in Haiti. Oh yeah. It I mean it comes the origins of the the word come from Brazil and West Africa. There's the the Zumbi or the Nizumbi. Zumbi. Yeah. Do you th- is it also you think like sort of a rabies thing or is it is it like related to burying people alive by accident and they like dig themselves out? I I think it is it happens in these like cultures that have enslaved people because you're not really sure if the enslaved people are like dead or alive and even when they're dead they're still under the it's like an allegory for like your name like your family is still like enslaved even after you die then there there is the case of like there is like the the famous case of the guy who there's like the one guy there's always that one guy there's a story about the people who are like using some toxin or whatever that like for like made them then like very super susceptible to hypnotic suggestion and like so somebody got some guy like effectively turned him into a zombie and controlled him with like heavy drugs. But even those are like, it's not really clear if that's exactly what happened or it's like a, a story they made up after the fact. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's like the puffer fish toxin. Yeah. And supposedly. Yeah. And then there's like, what is it? The dat, the river, the, the dat, datora or whatever, the drug that like, you just need like a pinhead. It's basically like the fentanyl of like, hallucinogen <laughs> yeah yeah and so there was there was clavius clavius supposedly is the dude. was keeping like their i don't know if it was like their landlord or somebody they were mad at like basically keeping them like on that drug and in like a i don't know a sort of prisoner situation yeah there's like Cla- clavius and he died and his family is like we legit like buried him and whatnot and then like his sister ran into him like three years later in the drugstore and he was like, guess what? I had, I actually wasn't dead. He said that he, he had been given this drug that makes your like pulse, you know, you, you, you're like pulseless or whatever. The Romeo and Juliet drug. Exactly. And then the slave master voodoo priest, you know, went, dug him up, gave him the other, another drug that would bring him to life just enough to like work for him. And he's like, hey, it's me. Really sucks that you guys like did that to me. Like you buried me and stuff. But there's like, yeah, he's the yeah, one. But that, that story like didn't make any sense. Because it's like, oh, once you came to your senses, why didn't you go back to your family and be like, hey, by the way, I'm like not. I didn't die. Instead, they had to like find him. Yes. It's suspicious. Zombieism is a convenient excuse. Yeah, he's the. He's like, also, I owe these drug dealers a lot of money. <laughs> funny how that happened it's true i mean but he's like the um you know he's like the personification he's the the wolf man of zombie sure. basically yeah and a bunch of professors were really interested in it and did all this research but they could never really confirm it okay yes. so like what fear does it address the is it the idea of like voodoo and being like controlled by some shaman or something well for culture for okay for white cultures <laughs> It is the fear of being controlled by, or like Anglo, I don't know what the, what's the, you know, you know about this. What's the politically correct 
for Eurocentric cultures. Sure, yeah. That. That's a good one. It's the um it's the fear. <laughs> I was like, I don't you yeah, know you know, for white people. I mean because culture. there is a huge resurgence of zombie movies in like the early two thousands after like nine eleven and people were be afraid of being like controlled by other cultures also the fear of like a disease that's going to make people mindless because there's all this like chemical disease warfare a lot of yeah a lot of zombie movies also deal with like at least any recent ones that i'm thinking of is it's not like there's one or two zombies that everyone's scared of it's like everyone is a zombie except the protagonist it's like republicans basically so they're all uh they're all like doomsday movies because society has totally fallen apart. But not only is there just no society, but all the former people have turned into flesh-eating zombies. Yeah. and Sha Shaun of the Dead, I think, is really the the best zombie movie. Black Sheep, also really good about a zombie sheep. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a very funny movie. So, and then an Afrocentric, is that? Sure. Okay. Afrocentric cultures it's more about being enslaved by singular like person or, or like mind control mm -hmm. and that yeah it, that's more the fear isn't the other zombies because the other zombies are in, also enslaved people it's like the master mm. which i think is a better way of like thinking about it yeah you shouldn't be afraid of like the other the others like in eurocentric cultures the other zombies like turn you into a zombie in afrocentric cultures there's like a oh yeah priest or something that you know like a yeah in eurocentric cultures there's no one controlling the zombies they're right. kind of left to just seek out brains yeah on their own and then as we said last week we think it actually was really movies that came up with the concept of the whole brain eating okay eurocentric culture <laughs> yeah so, so it's like, like night of the living dead which is like your own family, which, you know, it's also like the vampire thing. Like you'll come back to haunt the people that you love. Mm -hmm. uh, we can talk about Vampires mummies. covered. Mummies are, are really just Egyptians, Egyptian zombies, I suppose. Yeah. Well, yes, kind of. But they're they're intelligent. You can very easily avoid them if you just don't dig up their 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 damn grave. <laughs> yeah. So I think it is it is comparable in the sense that right. If like the Frankenstein or like. Frankenstein's monster uh, is like science gone too far and now the creator pays the price for like their hubris is that is exactly what happens in like the mummy either the classic Brendan Fraser film or the more so recent good. remakes what's your favorite part of that the Brendan Fraser there's the original scene where the mummy first shows up and they're like running in terror like around the tomb and it's like supposed to be a horror film where it's very scary and like a bunch of slapstick stuff happens, like constantly, like they're running different directions and they bump into each other. And then like the guy with glasses, there's like a piggy moment. The guy with glasses like breaks his glasses. And when he finally picks them up, like the mummy is in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very like silly how they like play all of that. They're running and like all these scare beetles come and they just like, one guy falls under the beetles. Instead of it just being gross, it's just like they somehow eat all of his flesh like yeah, piranhas. They're like, and so there's just a skeleton the beetles leave. You know you know what seconds. it would you know yeah. what it would sound like. Yeah. It would sound like a cat eating dry cat. Yeah, it would be like <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 
the sound yeah. of a thousand beetles eating you. Anyway, I love I the treasure room. And then when the walls start closing in, mm -hmm. like they're in the, tre and he's like, wow, the treasure. And then the walls like just start closing in. And he's like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So good. But there's, you know, it's that's that's addressing the whole question of like, wow, like all these like archaeologists and like, right? Because the mummy is actually historical film. <laughs> it's historical fiction because it's set in I think the early 1900s. Yeah, the British imperialist yeah. era and like e Egypt mania or whatever in the U.S. in the 1920s. But uh, yeah, is that like there should be some repercussions for you going and grave robbing? Yeah, um, and to take all this stuff to go put in a museum. They're also they always gotta read the Book of the Dead. They're like, oh, what's this book? They're buried with. It was always the Book of the Dead, and they're like, let's mm. read from. Surely it. it won't contain a spell that will that bring will them bring back the mummy back to yeah. life. Yeah. But it actually, I mean, that's what the Egyptians would would give their. I thought the Book of the Dead was more of like a like a manual. It was like, so you're now you're dead. Yeah. It was Here's like a, the recent the book for the recently deceased yeah. or whatever. But all right, you it, gotta go see Osiris. He's gonna weigh your heart against three feathers. Okay, next. Yeah, you're but they like, I think they were like in case of emergency, read <laughs> this book. In case you need right. to like yeah. kill the person who's it's like the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Yeah, I mean there's there's a bunch of and the I will yeah, mummies, much like zombies actually, have evolved to get a lot cooler and scarier um, and more formidable in the film industry over the last century. So the original, the very original mummy was uh, also just very shambling and like, you're like, how's it going to kill? It's like trap this woman, but it's like, how's it going to kill her? It'll take like three minutes to walk across the room to like get to her, but she just stands there screaming the whole time. Yeah. Just like Frankenstein's monster in the original Frankenstein. You're like, dude, you could just go shut off the power. I mean, he's not, moving very fast it should be easy yeah um, the mum mummies then got really hot too because they're they, they're basically the original like lilu you got that bandage dress <laughs> yeah and there's a the tom cruise was like a recent in the last like 10 years there was he like was a, a mummy no there was a, he was in a mummy film oh and it it is like a it's like a hot zombie mummy who had who can like conjure the a mommy a, a, mommy. a mommy mommy it's a milf yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it it can like control the weather too and it's like throwing cyclones and stuff it's really it's basically storm from x-men also oh, yeah, with the white but hair, also yeah. undead yeah it's yeah way more intense um all right what do we got left there's the hair monster in Bugs Bunny. I mean, <laughs> that's not monster canon. I mean, ghosts, you say ghosts, they've been around forever, right? Yeah, that's a, I mean, the occult episode covered a lot of that yeah. too, because it depends really on your take on the ghost, right? So yeah. there's the whole spiritualism yeah, and wanting to contact the other world, but then there's also like poltergeists and like oh, the malevolent devil. spirits. The devil, right? Devil's like another canon monster, creepy, creepy monster. I feel also kind of the occult. Yeah. Or we'll, we'll do another uh, Heaven and Hell episode at some point in the future, and we'll really oh, get yeah. into Satan. <laughs> there are, like, there's, like, the swamp thing. Oh, yeah, but that's not, like those aren't, like, your lagoon. three. When you think of, like, gothic horror, horror it's, like, those are, like, your three boys. is like, is like, zombies, werewolves, and vamp vampires. Yeah, do you want to discuss the... I mean, the more science fiction monsters like Godzilla and Mothra and stuff. No. Or you just want the gothic, you just want to cover the gothic ones. Yeah. I mean, because they all, you know, it's like, we get it. Like, those are all mm -hmm. like monster, 
like, like creature monsters and stuff like that. And yeah, so there's like a whole anime canon situation. Yeah. What's I'm trying to think of a product that you could use if we were to sell it on an infomercial um, that would like, pr you know, protect you from all monsters. So from be, all monsters? Yeah. It'd be like a cross made out of like silver. You would just be silver. I feel like silver gets them all, right? Except, I mean, I don't know what... No, vampires, it specifically crosses. But and, they don't uh, like silver... And garlic. Isn't there, like, silver, some silver thing? Or is that's werewolves, right? Yeah, that's werewolves. Werewolves, yeah. it's silver. Well, vampires, you, d you don't invite them in, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know when that made it into the canon. That they have to be invited in because Dracula certainly is just going around constantly entering people's yeah. houses. He's he's shape shifting <laughs> he too. Yeah. He like he turns yeah. into like so many things. He turns into like fog, <laughs> a bat. He does turn into a bat. He does, yeah. It's like mortal. He's like choose which way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we summarized all the monsters. If if you, you want to drop some plugs. Oh yeah. So. If you've listened this far, then you like us. You obviously feel strongly about us. So you should give us a five-star review. If you write something cute, we'll read it and we'll shout you out. And his son.